My name is True Powell and you are now listening to the Creative Entrepreneurs Podcast. Celebrating entrepreneurs and creativity. Talking business, pleasure, real life, get together. Join us here. Elevating careers. Join us here. Elevating careers. Nothing off limits. No, no, no. Lifting spirits. Yes, for sure. Inspiration, motivation. Laying down the right foundation. Welcome guys to another episode of the Creative Entrepreneur Podcast. Guys, you know what this is about. We look at turning creativity into careers and turning your passion into profit. Um, Before we do start, I just want to shout out our sponsors, Route 36, for the production um, and for just looking after all of our production needs on the podcast. I'm so, so grateful. Please do go and check those people out. But I just want to introduce our guest for today's episode. When I made this telephone call, I wasn't hopeful at all that he would come on this podcast. But I just thought, let me make the call anyway. And I'm super, super excited to announce Ben Francis, the founder of Gymshark billion dollar company that he started in his bedroom Mm -hmm. um, at 19 years old and now we are sitting in a podcast studio Mm -hmm. that Gymshark that Ben created it must be absolutely amazing Ben welcome to the podcast and just tell tell everybody who you are and just a little bit about your journey please yeah thanks for having me um yeah so my name's Ben um I grew up here in the West Midlands not far from where the office is now uh, and as a kid, I just absolutely loved fitness. So, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it. I started many different websites, businesses, and built iPhone apps before this. But to be honest, Gymshark was just me wanting to be involved in fitness however I could. Um, you know, we were one of the first brands to really be working with influencers, albeit at the time we didn't really call it that or realize what it was. Um, and ultimately, we made, you know, fitness clothing. And it's it's been a crazy eight years. I think we're eight, almost nine years old now. Um, fast forward to that to today, yeah, multi-billion dollar brand, 700 staff around the world, fastest growing company in the UK. I think we were the fastest growing company in the history of the West Midlands. Um, it's been a crazy journey, but it's, yeah, it's been a fun one and one I'm looking forward to chatting about today. Wow. Wow. Like it's just massively impressive. And the, and the fact that you are from the Midlands as well is mm-hmm. just equally more impressive. And I, I don't think you, you rem- <laughs> you'll, you'll remember this. Um, but when the news broke about, you know, um, Jim Shah mm-hmm. now being a billion dollar company, I was like, Ben is from the Midlands. I need to message him. Like, <laughs> I need to, like, some way, somehow. And I was actually in the gym when mm. um, the news broke. And I remember it clearly. And um, I seen it on, on Twitter, seen it on my phone. And um, this was like half five, six in the morning. So I was like, I need to message him. And I, I was mm. so excited. So I've picked up my phone. And then I was, and I've, I said, nah, I'm going to voice note him. Mm. And, and actually, I, I remember it and I remember exactly what I said. And um, 
mum, if you're listening, please just <laughs> fast forward like a couple of seconds because I actually remember picking up the phone and saying, Ben, big up your blood clot south. <laughs> like, and, um, and for those of you who don't know what that means, it, you know, it's a Jamaican word um, when you're cussing somebody out or when you're passionate about something and you just, there's just no other word to explain how happy you are about something. And for me, that just encapsulated how proud I mm. was because you were from the Midlands and you were doing bits. And I was just like, if you could do it. And I, I remember saying it in the message, like, if you could do it and you're from the Midlands, the inspiration that you're sending to so many young people, so many mm -hmm. young entrepreneurs in the Midlands is, is amazing. And mm. that's what I love about you. And that's what I love about the brand. It, mm -hmm you have really challenged the status quo about what businesses and what entrepreneurs are. Mm -hmm. And you flipped it on his head and you showed a new version of entrepreneurs. So it's no longer suits. It's no longer briefcase. Yeah. It's no longer all these, <laughs> like like what you, you, you tra traditionally see, you know, you rock up in your tracksuit and you're a millennial and mm -hmm. you, and how does that feel? How does that feel that you are now like a, you're flipping everything on its head and you're like a shining example to, to, to young people? Um, I don't know, to be honest, because I feel like, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, myself, everyone at Gymshark, well, to be honest, we're all fairly similar. You, you know, you'll have been to the office a bunch of times now and you'll have seen, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're, we're super passionate and serious about what we do and what we want to achieve. But to your point, we're not going to, you know, be, you know, wearing suits all day, every day. We, we don't, we just don't really think about that sort of stuff. So, um, listen, I feel super proud, right? I, I'm proper proud to be from where I'm from and that we've all achieved what we've achieved. Um, and yeah, and it was moments like when you dropped me that message and to be honest, as well as yourself, there was the, the outpouring of support from the Midlands, the Birmingham area has been incredible for us. And it, it is an amazingly proud moment, um, having, you know, grown up here. And I think growing up here, you do see a lot of, listen, there's a lot of incredible businesses from around the world. There's a lot of people doing amazing things in the United Kingdom. But more often than not, they're in the South, they're in the London area and, you know, more power to them. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it is amazing to do something here and to also not only to do it here, but to keep it here as well. That's something I'm super proud of because, um, again, we didn't have to do that, but I'm super passionate about the area and the people that live here. I love that. And I think that's that's what's so amazing because you've literally created it here and mm -hmm. you've created jobs here and you've not only created jobs here, but you've actually showed people that there is a lot of talent in the Midlands and the Midlands are doing bits and, mm -hmm. and the Midlands is up and coming now and I think people are starting to take note and... It's because of people like you and, and Jim Shark. They are, and you're right. And I'm I'm really fortunate. I mean, through Jim Shark, I've been fortunate to be a, a part of many sort of other things going on outside of Jim Shark. And I'm currently working with a bunch of people on something called the the, the Midlands Engine. So again, it's all about sort of helping the uh, the Midlands to grow, particularly from a commercial perspective. And the guys there, particularly uh, the guy that runs it, is a guy called Sir John Peace, and he he talks about uh, something called brain drain. I'd never actually heard that term before. About how there's so much here 
but people tend to leave and, and, and move to other places. And and finally, I think that's now changing because to your point, there's so many more opportunities around here, whether it's people that are starting their own business, getting into creative endeavors, or working for some of the many businesses that are here, such as Gymshark, mm -hmm. such as some of the large financial institutions that are now moving into the city. I think PwC have just taken up this incredible new office on, I think it's called Paradise in the mm -hmm. city center, these mm -hmm. new buildings, HSBC. Mm -hmm. There's there's so much more opportunity here. And listen, I think it's it's amazing. It's something I'm proud of i'd like to think we've played a little a little part in that mm. albeit not a massive one um listen it's a great time to be uh be around here i think absolutely so ben let's rewind to young ben mm -hmm. um so before gym shark ben um what was your childhood like growing up and was business that was something that you were always exposed to and around or did mm. you decide that you wanted to research business and you was going to run your own business like mm -hmm. talk to me about kind of young ben and what you was doing yeah so um so i grew up in a town called bromsgrove which is not far from here uh my mom worked in the qe in selly oak uh, my entire life um so she was incredibly incredibly hard working my dad would work in redditch um fairly normal family if i'm honest um i had a super super supportive family and i think that's been really pivotal and important to me especially in doing everything that i do today um you know great memories massive villa fan my dad we, my dad and my brother we would go to villa every week we were season ticket holders i've got vivid memories of my mom working long nights coming home dropping dropping us off at school then going and sleeping whilst we were at school and then waking up to get us from school so i'd say i come from a Fairly normal, but extremely hardworking and, to be fair, supportive family. Um, although my parents didn't run their own business, my grandparents both did. So on my dad's side, they ran like a, a taxi company. And on my mom's side, uh, they ran a basically a furnace company. So big metal things that warm things up, basically. And, and that was where actually I did my work experience. So I was sort of indirectly exposed from as long as I can remember to people running their own business, if I'm honest. Um, and particularly on my mom's side, I did work experience when I was, I don't know how old it is when you do work experience, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And I worked in my granddad and we basically go around the Midlands and I would just sort of help him out as a laborer. Um, and he would tell me about some of the risks that he took in starting his business. Now his business is, it's not, it's not quite as big as Gymshark. Um, it's more of a, he was more of a one man band and some of the risks that he took were were massive and he would tell me these stories as a kid and I'd be so inspired by them about how he had like my nan, my mom, her sister to, to support. And he would just tell me about the stories about the risks he took. And at the time I thought, wow, that's cool. I've got a super cool granddad. I can't believe that he took all, all those risks for the, for the family to be able to, you know, afford the house. Um, and then later on, as I turn into my teens and I start, you know, getting involved in business and websites and apps, the risks that I wanted to take all, all of a sudden seemed really small. So my prior exposure as a young kid to understanding the risks that he'd taken and how much bigger they were to what I was then taking, I think it really put them into perspective and it gave me an ability to be very comfortable taking, a, you know, substantial financial risk. So that was probably very impactful for me. And like I said, the fact that both grandparents ran their own business and both of my parents were so incredibly, incredibly hardworking. Um, I think all of that really impacted me. Mm. Love that. Love that. And it just goes to show how, how important influence is, mm. um, particularly in your you know, formative years when you're mm. growing and you're being exposed to, 
you know, business and being exposed to risk. At and, it, such and it's things that you don't even realize, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I'm sure he just did that because he was just telling me about it and he thought I'd be interested. And even me at the time, I didn't realize how important that was. I didn't realize after three years, after five years, it was after six, seven, eight, nine, ten years that I then realized the impact that it made on me. Again, my other grandparents running their uh, taxi company and, and just seeing that it, it's, it, it, it does impact you and one or two conversations as a young kid can go a hell of a long way. And there's, there's so many periods or moments in my life, which I'm sure we'll get to, that have had huge, huge impacts. Um, moments where someone said something to me and it's really resonated, all the stars have aligned or I've had an opportunity either through luck or through hard work. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, in your early years, pivotal moments like that make a massive difference. Amazing. Love it. So then fast forward a little bit to... Jim Chark and to mm -hmm. Ben now thinking, right, I don't want to do anything else. I want to run my own business, whether it was Jim Chark, because I know you had other ventures mm -hmm. as well. Like run us through that era of your life and what your thought process was then. So I, so Jim Chark wasn't started with the intention of this being, it being this big business, right? There wasn't, um, the, the same vision that maybe we have today. I, as a kid, I wasn't great at school not that i wasn't like a naughty kid or whatever i just I, I couldn't get my head around it i couldn't work out how to apply myself to things to get the results i wanted um and then i think at 15 16 i got into the gym and at the gym i realized that i need to turn up every day i need to stick to a schedule and i essentially need to do as i'm told right so if the the program that i'm running says that you do three sets on bench press you do three sets on bench press and if i'm miserable sad tired indifferent then with all due respect i don't have a choice i, I do it and i did that and I, I started to get really good results as a kid i was small i was skinny and i wanted to build muscle and, and i finally started to and then all of a sudden there was this moment that sort of clicked when i thought okay so that really worked for me in the gym what about if i was to apply that to school life or professional life and it was through doing that, then all of a sudden I started to get good at school. I started to get good grades and um, that, you know, that made a big, big difference to me. So I essentially fell in love with fitness. Now, during that period, I was also messing around with websites. I was teaching myself to make iPhone apps. Um, so I just sort of morphed those two things together. So the, the iPhone apps were based around fitness. The websites were based around fitness. And Gymshark was one of those websites. Now, the reason that Gymshark was started was because I just wanted to be involved in fitness. All of my heroes are in fitness. Fitness had already changed my life. It had given me structure. It had given me direction. So I always wanted to give back to fitness however way I could. And, and me and my mates, would we every year we would go to the Body Power Expo at the NEC in Birmingham, and we would love it. Um, so it played such a pivotal role in my life. I wanted just to be involved. So Gymshark was purely started because I wanted to be involved in fitness, not because there was this sort of huge vision as to where it would go. Wow. I love that. And the thing is that a lot of people start businesses because they feel that, you know, they've got a passion for it or, mm -hmm. you know, there's a problem that they want solving. Yeah. And I think what's amazing about you was that you just loved an industry so much. It was mm -hmm. just like, right, I just need to be involved yeah. in this. In, and in, and, I, and I was sort of like, I was sort of like agnostic as to how the, I was involved. So I was like, right, I love fitness. Mm. <clears throat> so made a website that was like a fitness forum, made two apps that were all around fitness advice. Um, the Gymshark website was just a, a way of transacting and it was drop shipping supplements at the start. And then later on decided to try and make clothes that no one else was making. So I was less are like concerned in the early days about the product. It was just to your point, I just want to be involved in fitness. And however that is at the time, it, it, it didn't really bother me. I just wanted that involvement. Love that.
absolutely love that amazing so then gym chart starts you start gym shark mm -hmm. and you realize actually there was a gap in the market for yeah. clothing mm -hmm. um how how did that happen like what so so we 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 drop ship supplements and to those of you that aren't aware of what drop shipping is it's basically you can load your website up with a load of products that you don't actually own. Let's say, for example, you've got a supplement that you can buy for £8. You put it on your website for 10 Ships directly from the um, from the third party to the customer and you make a margin essentially for facilitating the sale. So we did that. And again, it was just about involvement and then thought, you know, let's put clothing on. And it was during this time. This was uh, about 2011, 2012, 2012. Um, I quickly realized that there wasn't really anything that we wanted to wear, particularly because we was massively into bodybuilding and lifting. Um, now, again, stars aligning. At the time, my nan was doing a curtains course. There was a local lad that was into screen printing. Mashed those two things together and bought a screen printer and a sewing machine and started basically to hand make the clothes and did that for the best part of two years. And it was literally, in many ways, it's a selfish reason, right? Because I just wanted to make the clothes that we wanted to wear. And those were more fitted, tapered, stringer vest, tracksuits, T-shirts, hoodies, those sorts of things. Um, because no one else was making them. You had many large American brands that probably weren't really resonating with us in Europe at the time, particularly in fitness. They were big, baggy, boxy clothes. Mm. Um, the European brands were far more sportswear. So it was, it was more football. And listen, I love football. I love Villa. I always have. But... In the gym, we wanted something that was really more fitted and tapered. Um, no one was doing it. So we thought, do you know what? Let's, let's give it a go ourselves. And um, spent actually every single penny that we had. I was working at Pizza at the time. Um, spent every penny that we had on the screen print and the sewing machine and, and started hand-making the clothes from there. Um, it, was a, it was a cool experience. I was really lucky. Like I said, my mom, my nan taught me to sew. It was not anything I ever thought I would be doing. And it was weird because a lot of our mates were sort of going out, like, you know, going out into the city center for nights out. And I was sort of sat there sewing. I've still got videos that my mom would video, uh, send a video to me, basically telling me how to use the sewing machine. And I would go out to pizza. I would work my pizza shift normally five till 10. And then I'd come home and I'd sew from 10 till midnight, one, 2 AM sleep and repeat sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, looking back, it was a, it was a, it was an odd time, but I, I absolutely loved what I did. So I loved every day. Amazing. And I think that's one of a really important lesson, particularly in business around if there is a problem or if mm. you cannot find something that you want, then there's an opportunity to create it mm. because chances are if you want it, then other people would want it as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you did. And what was the... I want to call it the signature item. So in music, you know, mm. artists have like signature songs that people like that just sells. And did Gymshark have like a signature yeah. item that was like, this is it? We did. We did in the early days, um, but it took us probably the best part of two years to find it. Mm. And I think the signature item would have been the Lux tracksuit. And that was a tracksuit that we launched at the Body Power NEC Expo 2013, 2014. Um, and that was the, the thing that really helped elevate the brand. And again, it was because no one was doing it and it was a fitted and it was a tapered tracksuit. Um, we went to this event, we took it to the event. And funnily enough, because because it was we everything was handmade at the time other than that tracksuit, we had to turn the website off. So people knew the tracksuit was about, but they couldn't buy it because the website was off because we were at the event and we sold it at the event. And 
Um, listen, it just went incredibly, incredibly well. There was a, a few other things that I think we did well at the event in terms of bringing YouTubers over that no one was doing at the time. Um, but specifically, people love this tracksuit and it went a little bit viral on, on Facebook in the time. And that was probably the signature product that really helped propel Gymshark's, you know, revenue and, I guess, attention in the early days. Mm, incredible. Okay. So I want to speak a little bit about the brand mm. itself and how you created this monster brand. And I'm not speaking about, you know, the logo and how it looks. I'm speaking about the, how it feels and how it makes people feel. Yeah. So for me personally, when I first started training, which was probably about five years ago, I was like, I'm not ready to wear Gymshark. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I'm not ready to wear Gymshark. Give me my Puma any day to go to yeah. the gym. I'm not ready to wear, you know, no shade of Puma, but yeah. I'm not ready to wear Gymshark. And it's only when I got to a certain level in my training and on my journey, I was like, yeah. right, I can, I can now flex in Gymshark. And the, the feeling of wearing Gymshark in a gym, like you, I feel absolutely sick. I'm just like, no one mm -hmm. can touch me. Like, yeah. and it's that feeling that resonates with a lot of people yeah how on earth because this to me is the you know a billion dollar question mm -hmm. hence you've got a billion dollar brand mm -hmm. how on earth did you create that feeling i think so i think that's led by the community and i think it's because essentially no one else is doing it right so the whole thing if we go back to why the brand was started it was it started to make the clothes that we wanted to wear and at the time of starting the brand, sort of 19 years old, I wanted clothes that were fitted, tapered, and would accentuate the physique, i.e. make you look better with them on. Um, and I think that's where it started at its core, because then all the sort of the lifters in the early days started wearing it because, you know, they absolutely loved it. And essentially, as a male, it made your waist look smaller, your shoulders look bigger. Um, now, obviously, the brand has developed and grown since then. But I think in the early days, it was the cult lifting brand and i think that's probably what initiated that mm. um and i think it's sort of like it's very much an aspirational brand right mm. so your point is like a lot of the people that wear gymshark are the people in the gym the people in the know the people that are really into their fitness and again we are broadening that and trying to really support people on the journey because that's the other thing that we noticed by the way is gymshark was built very much again for for me it was built for the skinny guy that wanted to build muscle and we realized that we want to be as aspirational as possible to as many people as possible. Um, and now we're sort of starting to broaden the, I guess, the horizons of Gymshark and really be this aspirational to everyone brand. Mm. Yeah, incredible. I love it. So in terms of your leadership, mm. I want to touch on that a little bit because um, I think you are probably one of the most dynamic, forward-thinking um, and I would like to say relatable um, leaders mm -hmm. um, <laughs> of the century, and and I'm and I'm saying this because I've just have how much I've seen you do with Gymshark and how much I've I've seen you um, do for your staff and how you ride for your staff. And mm -hmm. I mean, even like you know when we first met at your summer party, I was just like, who just gives their staff like a an exclusive <laughs> summer party and just has like mist and like <laughs> art for dodger mm -hmm. and jk just rocking up and and, mm -hmm. and aston performing art shout out aston yeah. performing art. <laughs> um just rocking up to give you know your staff a summer party like free mm -hmm. bar free like just for for nothing like for me that i was there and i was just like wow like this mm. what an incredible organization like and what an inc and it has to come from leadership mm -hmm. and it's that it's a culture so yeah talk to us about your leadership style and 
the culture that you've created in in Gymshark and why you why that's important for you? So the culture at Gymshark is important. It's it's our it's our top priority, right? And it, it's so difficult to explain. You've experienced it because you've you've been here, and I'm glad you had. I'm glad that you guys were at the summer party because you probably got you know you you got it. It probably hit you hard on that day because those are amazing, amazing days. Um, culture is our top priority, and. I must admit, I've learned everything I know about culture from Steve Hewitt, our CEO, who I believe you've met mm -hmm. as well and spent a bit of time with. He's an incredible guy. Um, and it's it's incredible. It's it's important for so many reasons because it, it's a culture where everyone feels welcome. It's a culture that's incredibly transparent. Like the, our levels of transparency are are incredible. It's something I'm so proud of. I think in many ways, I think we even share more. I probably even share more on my YouTube channel than what some businesses will share to their their internal teams. And I think that transparency makes a big, big difference as well. And it really allows an environment of creativity of somewhere where people feel comfortable, feel uh, an area where people feel comfortable coming up with ideas. Cause that's the other thing as well. You need to create an environment where people genuinely feel comfortable doing that. And ultimately what we've managed to create. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize this isn't necessarily led by me. This is, this is from Steve and I know everything I know about culture comes from, comes from Steve. We've managed to create an environment where so many people want to be a part of it, but nobody wants to leave. And I think that's so amazing. And it helps the business. It's help. It's great for the leaders. It's great for every individual that's in the business. Um, and it just makes it a really special place to be. Love it. I absolutely love it. And like when I came, I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> like I, I, I said, I you came on the best day. I was like, <laughs> and, I, and I say this because we drove like a, um, a minibus with the team mm -hmm. because, um, you know, we was doing the performance and there was a lot of us and I'm like nominated driver as, as well as my brother. And like, people were like, Oh, um, you know, after the performance, we can go. I was like, you guys can go. I'm <laughs> yeah. staying. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to leave. I'm staying. Yeah. So, um, so I, I love that. And you touched on Steve there. Yeah. And I think for me, that's probably one of the most powerful stories that in business that you, that, that you have, because you, there was a point where you were like, right, I, need help and yep. I'm going to throw my you know my ego out the window and mm -hmm. and get people in to do jobs that I can't do mm -hmm. um I know my strengths and I know my weakness and for me I think that's so important for a entrepreneur to, yeah. to recognize that so I, I kind of want to hear about that and yeah. what that what that time was like yeah and again this is similar to the culture question it's it's difficult to really articulate i mean you've met steve haven't you mm -hmm. so you know what it's like you 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 could probably understand it um so in the early days of gymshark the company started to grow and the numbers compared to today are obviously significantly smaller but we started to get this level of traction um i think i mentioned previously a couple of times about stars aligning moments mm -hmm. of luck there was this period of time where we had some issues with the product. I was struggling with a few of the bits and I think I'd done two or nights in a row. I'd, I was up for the third day in a row. And as always, I was, I'd always get the, uh, get the, get a lift in at the gym. And I went to the gym and there was a guy there called Paul, who's a local guy, a local sort of bodybuilder. Um, and he's known as like the local business guy, basically. And he's obviously looked at me and he's gone, you look knackered. And I said, yeah, I'm trying to run this business. I'm doing university in Aston. I'm, um, I'm working at Pizza Hut. I'm struggling with this, this, and this. And I, I, I would ask him questions. And on this one particular day, he said, you look knackered. I explained to him what was going on. He said, listen, if he had an office down the road, he says, if you ever need anything from me, let us know, pop into the office and we can just chat about everything that's going on. And, and that was a pivotal moment. Cause I think at that point I could have almost gone arrogant and gone, no, we don't need help. But I, I guess my gut told me that we did. And, and we went and we met Paul 
started getting advice from Paul and Paul put us in touch with Steve. Paul and Steve knew each other. Um, and funnily enough, Steve also went to the gym that we went to as well. Just now, I understand that. And are you saying we at that point? Who's, who's So that's, uh, there's business is probably five or six people. Okay. So it'd be like me, Lewis, my brother, Joe, Dan, Craig. There's a cool. small handful of people. Um, I think, I think it would have been about 10 people. Mm -hmm. Um, so met Steve and Steve was, Steve was great. Steve basically compared to me in, in, in terms of skill set, skill set was at the time, um, basically the opposite to me. So I was product brand focused. I was all about, you know, the events and everything and the customer. And I just wanted to be in the community. Whereas Steve had this skill set of brilliant people manager. He understood operations, logistics, and finances inside out business structure. And these were things that I didn't know. And that's not because I, well, it's not for any reason other than the fact that you don't know what you don't know. And if you're 19, why would you know all mm. these things? Right. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, me, Paul, Steve, we started working together and Steve did a day a week, two days a week, three days a week. And before we knew it, it made sense for Steve to come on full time. And I think I realized very quickly that for Gymshark to become what I wanted it to become, I I would have to step away from almost the CEO role, the leadership role, and I had to focus on what I was really good at. Now, um, that was, in some ways, it was a heartbreaking decision, but in other ways, it was easy. And again, this is why it's useful, because you know Steve. You, he's such a, a great person. He's a great talker. He's a great conversationist. And, you know, he's incredible when it comes to culture. So that, in 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 essence, it was an easy, easy decision. But names out of boxes, it was hard, because I really liked being at the center of it all. Um but that and that was a pivotal moment, and I think that's one of the reasons that Gymshark is where it is today. Because I do see so many creatives, entrepreneurs, and business people that struggle with that. And going back to why the business was started, the reason I could make that decision is because I was so passionate about the community, the business, and what we wanted to achieve. So I had this moment where I wanted to make Gymshark a brilliant company more than I wanted to be CEO. And if it meant that Steve going in that CEO role and me taking a back step into a role, a different role, if that got the business to where I wanted it to be, then then that was the right decision. It was a decision that we made. I love it. I love it because sometimes as entrepreneurs, we can be quite egotistical. We can just mm -hmm. want sense of attention and, and we don't necessarily realise actually that because we're sitting in a seat that we, or sitting at a wheel that we probably don't know how to drive, mm -hmm. then it's, you know, it's, it's the business wealth isn't there because yeah. of it. So it's um, to get somebody in that I can drive it. And I think, and I think it's probably even more difficult nowadays with probably social media and Instagram and things like that, because it's, it feels like it's quite a cool thing now to be an entrepreneur or a CEO. Um, but I think, Anyone that's met a real, a genuinely brilliant business person or CEO will know it takes a long time to build up that level of skill. It's like, it's like you just wanting to become a Premier League footballer overnight. It's, it's only the very, very, very few have the ability to do that. And the vast, vast majority, almost pretty much everyone needs to learn from people and have a staged approach and work on their inadequacies or weaknesses to get to that level. Um, and like I said, working in business is no different. I had a few small list of things that I was incredibly good at. And even those I've continued to work on every day. Um, but I had a long list of weaknesses that I had to fulfill and improve on before I could, you know, I guess, maximize my potential and be the best version of myself. And was that a physical exercise that you did? Did you write down your 
strokes mm-hmm. did you write down your weaknesses yep 100 yep. percent. Wow. so like weak in the things that steve was strong in operation uh, ops logistics finance public speaking team management all these things were things that i was just particularly weak at and it's really funny right because when you write them down they become even more obvious i feel like people sort of try and park them off otherwise their their weaknesses and then as you're navigating through life so say for example i really wanted to get good at finance even if you don't take a proactive route to improving yourself at finance as you're navigating through life you might meet someone on the street on the train through work who's particularly good at finance and if in the back of your head you're thinking i need to get better at finance you'll start asking them more questions and you'll pick their brains and you'll try and learn from them um and that's why it was so so useful for me and it felt all of a sudden once i'd written down my weaknesses and sort of written down what i wanted to achieve it's almost like the universe like moved itself around those things and while I was being presented up opportunities almost every day to learn about and improve on those things and ge- genuinely to this day every single day I try and carve out a moment just to learn even if it's a quick podcast a YouTube video a book or a, just anything like that mm-hmm. and I think it's the the little things that you do every day that make the difference 100% and you know what's really resonates with me because I've, obviously as you know I, I sit on the hippodrome board and mm-hmm. before I you know was recruited to the board I sat down with the um the the senior management team and discussed where I would sit and mm-hmm. kind of what I wanted and what I wanted to achieve out of um, from being on the board mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, my background is events, creativity, arts, young people, and you know, and they had positions on the board for and committees for all those, you know, um, avenues. And mm-hmm. actually, I said, I want to do something to challenge me. Mm. I want to sit on the finance committee because <laughs> I hate. Everyone knows that you know mm-hmm. I hate maths and always have done. And I think for me, if I'm going to put myself in a space and give my time, mm-hmm. I need to be able to learn and develop and yeah. and take from it and I, and it, it was just an important decision actually that actually put me on the finance committee because there are some serious badass finance people on mm-hmm. that committee dealing with you know millions and millions of pound budgets and and actually why not learn from the best why not be amongst them and and learn and and I think it's really really important that we recognize our weaknesses yeah. as entrepreneurs and then do something about it I agree completely agree amazing so I, I you know i love your whole team and i'm gonna ask um a question i just and i'm sure everyone's thinking this all the listeners like mm-hmm. what is the gym shark whatsapp chat like for the man for the directors like <laughs> why what is the whatsapp chat like oh, there's so many Panta, is it like, yeah i mean yeah. it's it's yeah it's it's full of bands obviously um to be honest there's not a chat because there's so mm. many people there's like 700 people here um I, I think every department will have their own ones. There'll be little groups, but yeah, I mean, we constantly chat all the time. I'm chatting to everyone in the business all the time. Um, I'm actually probably in less group chats than I used to be, which probably says something, but um, <laughs> yeah, listen, this, it's a great place to be. Like I said, mm. we're always chatting to one another. Mm. Absolutely love it. Um, just kind of moving um, slightly away from kind of the the business and more about being I've you know read a lot and um seen a lot and you are somebody a, a great advocate about having a work-life balance mm-hmm. um a lot and this is what I love about like you and being this new age entrepreneur because historically you know people would say oh 
there's no such things as work-life balance. You know, it's all mm -hmm. over. And you either want it or you don't. And <clears throat> really carry this narrative around to be a successful business person or entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You have to absolutely sacrifice everything, your family, everything. And yes, there's going to be some sacrifice, but I think some people yeah. take it to the extreme. But actually, yeah. you stand out and say, it's important that we have a work-life yeah. balance. And, you know, why why is that important? And um, how how have you done it? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if work life balance is the right the the right phrase, but I, the thing that I found, particularly, I found it in the last few months, is by having a stable personal life, by you know having Robin to support me and things like that, having that stability, and that includes you know my lifting schedules and all that. That makes me better at work, and it makes me better at learning. It makes me better in everything that I do, and it makes me a better human being. So, listen, I'm in this position where I work a lot, mm. but it never, ever feels like work. Like, mm. I'm checking up on Gymshark things and messaging people all evening. It's the first thing I look at in the morning. I'm up early every morning. I absolutely love it. But the reason that I can do that is because I've got that solid personal life that I've got Robin there to support me. Um, and I guess the family as well, like mom and dad are extremely supportive. Um, it makes such a massive difference. Love it. Love it. And I know you mentioned Robin and, mm -hmm. you know, I've seen a rock on Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, not so long ago. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to know about the proposal. Like, yeah. How did, what, can you share? Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it. So um, I, okay, I failed miserably on this for quite a while because I say I failed miserably. It was my sixth attempt um, to propose to what? her. I know. <laughs> but I will, I will say, I will say um, it's because of COVID. So, mm. We booked, we'd booked, this is going back, what, 18 months whenever COVID first started. So did we'd... you have the ring all that time? Yeah. Just yeah. waiting? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I was in the jewelry quarter the best part of two years ago. Um, yeah, so I, we, we'd booked to go away, and I planned to do it then, and it got cancelled because of COVID. So, okay, I thought, well, never mind, you know, we, I can try again. So I booked somewhere else that also got cancelled because of COVID. Um, at that point, I thought, right, this is going to have to be something that we do in the UK because I just thought we're not going to be able to leave um, because of all the lockdowns. So we booked a hotel somewhere as well um, in Oxfordshire sort of countryside area. Mm. Um, and then that got cancelled because we were in that tier system then for a while. So then I did a different county because it was in a lower tier. Then that went into a higher tier and that got cancelled. Then I don't know if you remember, do you remember when like Cornwall was in tier one? I think oh, it was like yeah, the yeah, lowest yeah, tier yeah, and they were like yeah, the yeah, only yeah. ones. And I thought, yeah. right, that'll be fine. everyone had their eyes on Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, right, I'm booking a hotel in Cornwall. <laughs> so we booked a hotel in Cornwall. And then and then two days before, and I planned the whole thing, by the way, every single every single step, um, that got cancelled as well. So I thought, I think this was coming up to Christmas. Mm. And I think they opened it up for Christmas, didn't they? And closed it back down. I, thought, I remember thinking, oh God, I'm never going to be able to do this. Um Anyway, there's someone really good who's local to us called Kerry, who's a who's a wedding planner. Um, and she, I, I just basically said, please, Kerry, can you help me out here? Because I'm failing miserably. Mm. Um, uh, and she helped us out. And uh, there's a there's a, a lovely, lovely farm uh, called Dalesford Farm in the Cotswolds. Uh, and Kerry knew one of the events people mm -hmm. there, um, explained what we were doing. And they said, yep, that's fine. We can get it sorted. But you, this was, I think this was either December or January. Mm. Uh, and they said, but we can't do anything until like April time because, again, we're all in lockdown. Um, so yeah, booked a little, a little, um, I don't know what you call it, like area there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Robin thought she was going for an interview there and, um, I was basically there to surprise her and ask the question. And fortunately for me, she said yes, wow. which was buzzing. It was honestly, it was one of the best days of my life. I was absolutely buzzing. I was, funnily enough, I wasn't actually nervous I until nervous. I, I was, I was more nervous about 
I want, I really wanted her to enjoy it. Like I wanted her to have a good day. Um, we, I did the proposal. We had a nice sort of outdoor meal there. We went to a spa after, which Robin loves. Um, and it was an amazing day. Absolutely loved it. And like I said, it, she said yes, which certainly helps. Amazing. Oh, that's um, that's amazing. And it really is important that you have, you know, mm. a stable relationship, particularly probably someone in your position that, yeah. you know, that works a lot and, and hard. And, mm -hmm. you know, you just need to have that kind of stability. That um, support system. Mm. It's, it's amazing. Like I said, and yes, I work an incredible amount and she's well aware of that. And we talk about it and she's so supportive of it. Mm -hmm. And it means the world to me. So. Does 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 Robin work in the business as well, or does do her own thing somewhere? Yeah, so or? so Robin doesn't work in the business. She does. She's like sort of a Gymshark athlete. She yeah. does YouTube. She does her social channels, and she does a a few bits on the side for a sell. She runs her own sort of small business. Um, but yeah, she she loves it. She pops Amazing. in her occasionally as well. Amazing, the bosses, bosses <laughs> fiance. Um, so we touched a little bit on, or you did just then about kind of like athletes. Mm -hmm. For me, Gymshark using athletes is probably one of the most influential marketing methods mm -hmm. that I've seen, like in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Um, because it was just so new, it was so innovative, it was just so fresh, and it was like you say, aspirational. It yeah. created those aspirations. So. I kind of want to like. Was that a conscious decision? Did you knew? Did you know it was going to be as um, big as it was, or did so, you thought let's just try something new? Or yeah, it, literally, we we just watch YouTube and our heroes were on YouTube, so we thought let's. We were hand making the clothes at the time. We thought let's send the clothes to our heroes and see if they like it. They loved it. We ended up chatting on Skype, and we you know still some of my closest friends to to this day. Um, and it, yeah, it just organically happened from then. I, I wish. I could say it was this strategic decision mm -hmm. or we, you know, we'd saw the stars align and we decided to pursue it, but it, it just felt in our gut, like the right thing to do. And it's only now I sort of look back and I realize, I mean, it was an incredible moment, right? It, it, it's completely changed the way that people do social, like the way that people follow influencers and YouTubers and social media people. Now it, it just wasn't a thing right when we was kids. Um, but then funnily enough, I, um, I was chatting to someone ages ago in, um, in the jewelry quarter and they were telling me how i mean pretty much all of the uk's jewelry was made in the jewelry quarter historically i think it was something like 80 or 90 percent and they said that the royal family would come to birmingham and all the different sort of merchants in the jewelry quarter would always want their jewelry on the on the royal family because they knew that if they wore it then other people would sort of want to come and buy the stuff and that made me realize that the concept has never changed and it's no different now mm. and then even if you look at like people sponsoring sports stars over the last few years and now it's social media guys and uh, social media people the concept hasn't changed and again i didn't know any of this information mm. at the time it was just a gut instinct um but yeah it, it was a hugely special moment that first body power when we were the first brand to be built mm. bringing youtubers over to the uk um and you're right i think since then we've developed a really unique setup and team and the gymshark athlete team have just as incredible culture as the staff here mm. um and like I said, they're, they're amazing and they inspire me daily. I still watch watch the wow. Gymshark athletes regularly and I love it. Wow. And I think what's amazing is you, and I would probably say that you really 
catapulted this influencer culture mm. that we now have around the globe. Yeah. Um, because before Gymshark, there were no really influencers. Mm -hmm. And so indirectly, you've created more work for yeah. for people, which I just think is absolutely incredible and another great achievement. Thank you. Um, all because you followed your gut. And I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, a, I think it's really, really incredible. Um, okay, cool. So there, and we've, we spoke about a lot, mm. you know, no doubt about it. And for me, I, I couldn't have this podcast discussion yeah. and not discuss 2020 and how, and your role, your philanthropy role and how you, put yourself on the forefront in mm -hmm. many different ways. So not just Black Lives Matter that I just thought was absolutely incredible. Like Gymshark was one of the first companies that came out that we seen and was like, right, fuck standing on the sidelines. Like we are like flying the flag for this. And mm -hmm. when I seen that, I think I messaged you again. <laughs> I messaged you all the time. When I seen that, I was like, Nah, like gym sharks taking the piss. Like how <laughs> how are they just like big, big, big gym sharks coming out and saying this? And it filled my heart with so much joy because, again, because you was one of the first, mm. a lot of other companies followed. Mm -hmm. And actually, I what I loved about gym shark it wasn't just performative. It wasn't just oh we're just doing this for mm -hmm. PR or or lip service or or whatever. You actually meant it. And there's been so much follow on from it but I guess my question is what made you think right I'm coming out now and I mean was that just your decision or was it a collective decision or it, was it just say we have to say we have to yeah I'll, I'll so I could summarize it in one sentence and it wasn't just my decision no it was a collective decision um and that that sparked and it started in the in the social team because they're you know they're closest to everything that's going on in the world um it felt like the right thing to do. Mm. It's literally that simple. And there's so much. I, I funny enough, I did a um I did a talk last night to a university and someone asked sort of similar questions. And I said, like, you know, sometimes you can just do something, even if you're a big business, if it feels like the right thing to do. Um and I think sometimes big businesses or as the businesses get bigger or brands get bigger, they start thinking they have to act in a certain way and do certain things. And in many respects that's probably true. But ultimately, a business and a brand is built by people. And, it, you know, we, we are an inherently human brand. And it was a moment in time where we as a group felt like we we didn't want to stand on the sidelines. We wanted to, you know, put our viewpoint forward. And it's something I'm incredibly proud that we did. Mm, me too. Like, I was, I was cheering. I was like, <laughs> yes! Yes! Um, and... For me, I just thought that was a really powerful thing because then you started to see other brands mm -hmm. follow. Um, and to have a brand, you know, that was established in, in the Midlands mm -hmm. be one of the first to, you know, speak up about injustices. Mm -hmm. It just made me feel like, okay, like the yeah. world is, the world is moving because we have never had that before. Like we've never, ever had a major brand speak up about racial injustices mm -hmm. ever so to have you know jim Sharp, one of the first that's coming from my hometown i just thought was absolutely amazing so um yeah. i just wanted to thank you and not even just for black lives matter because mm -hmm. actually 
I think what a lot of people didn't didn't know and don't know is that you did loads for COVID and, and the for the QE and the yeah. NHS and and ran and not even raising money but mm-hmm. raising the awareness and lots of initiatives and and throughout that whole period, like you know, gym shops for philanthropy work was just like here and yeah. and and then you kind of mentioned like you're saying it, you, it just felt like the right thing to do. Would you say the same yeah, for... It, it's for exactly COVID? the same. It's exactly the same. It felt like the right thing to do. And then particularly for me on the NHS thing I mentioned earlier, my mum's worked in the NHS my entire life. I've watched her graft my entire life. And then um, knowing what those working in the, in the NHS were going through. And again, I got to see more of it because I'd call my mum every night when she was driving home and she'd tell me about it. Um Again, it felt like the right thing to do. And ultimately, that's why we wanted to support the NHS and bring more, I guess, more of a spotlight on what was going on and support them, again, both in terms of that spotlight, but financially too. Mm. Yeah, love it. Love it. So then, Gymshark, tell me about your... This might be a hard thing to do, Mm. but tell me about your favourite ever moment in Gymshark. Um... I've got two, okay. I would say. So there was, so first and foremost, from an internal perspective, when we, not this building, but over the road, we've got our headquarters, which again, you, you've seen. We opened that a few years ago and there's 150 people. And previous to that, we'd been in different offices. Some of them weren't great. Um, some of them didn't have air conditioning or heating they were more like warehouses and the first one which is in a place called droit which was an asbestos shed um we've not uh, you know with the startup we we we've not had a, we didn't have amazing places for people to work um now fortunately me and lewis were the only ones in the asbestos shed but then you know the different <laughs> units weren't great um and then we 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 did the, we gutted out the entire of our headquarters we completely renovated it it was led by paul and the property team they absolutely smashed it but no one in the business actually saw it and then we had this day where we launched it uh, and everyone was there and seeing their faces and being able to give that back to them to say look you've got this incredible place to work you've got your own canteen air conditioning do you know what i mean like having all that that was a really special moment so internally that was a real heartwarming moment for me um and also honestly that nhs moment during covid it was so tough we had the nhs thing that we did which made me so incredibly proud both personally because of my family ties to the nhs but knowing that we were doing the right thing um and then i think about a week or two after we did a a, a supportive live stream for pt so boris mm-hmm. johnson announced that gyms were closing some incredible people in the social team said wait a minute that means that pts won't be able to work and they're the lifeblood of the fitness industry what can we do for them we put on a live stream we paid them an hourly rate and they could stream workouts to the community those moments honestly they really they really sit with me and and that you know they make you really proud because they're almost beyond beyond the business that i think we ever thought that we could create that we could actually galvanize communities and help people in that way that was those are really important moments to me and what's really nice about um, every moment that you mentioned was it's it's selfless it was something that you did for others mm-hmm. um you know to see others smile or to help others mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the the business kind of i don't know buying me my mansion or, like, mm-hmm. or something for you it yeah. was for others and that's you know that's that's humbling that's amazing i love that so then on the flip side mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the most 
challenging or when what's the most challenging Ooh. time or period that you've um i mean i'm gonna, i'm not gonna lie there's gonna be so so many of them so the early days were tough um three or four occasions where we risked every penny that we had moments of or periods of time where traveling and traveling and traveling i remember having christmas at my mom and dad's and we was on a flight first thing box boxing day morning i remember thinking almost like I mean, it's a first world problem, but I remember mm. thinking, oh God, I would just, I wish I could just have a moment just to, to chill. And you are like on Boxing Day after you had Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you do know Christmas dinner, it tastes <laughs> much better the next day on Boxing Day. Like that, yeah, that so, must have been tough. <laughs> but we, um, I honestly, there's there's been a few really tough mm. moments, but I would describe the, the most difficult thing, and this is a really boring answer, is the, is the constant intensity of working at such a fast growing business. Because... There is always something that needs to be done. There is always someone that needs something. Can I always want to best serve those around me? And that constantly, you know, it plays on you. And it, it's tough. It's tough to manage. And and it's more the the constant long-term nature of that that, that is difficult to manage. But um, fortunately, having built such an amazing team around us, it's, it's more manageable. Mm. And boy, are you growing at a mm. rapid Even rapid, now, I can't believe it. Right. Like there's every time I blink, there's always something mm. new or something happening. Or, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that you know you're you're really transparent, and you are. I've been, you know, I've watched some of your YouTube videos, and you you, you talk about like the shares that you've got and mm -hmm. what other you know directors have in in the business, and you know your turnover and like you, it's just so so transparent. And mm -hmm. my question is like, why like? do you feel that it's important for you to be transparent or do you just, is that something that's just innate and you just think, I just um, want to tell it all. And so there's a few reasons. One, when I, I mean, we as a group, and I say everyone here at Gymshark, we want to build a company, how we think companies should be, should act and should be built. Right. Not, we don't look at other businesses and say, that's how they do things. So we'll do it. We do things our way. And that then the level of transparency that we have, I think is, is, is one of those moments. And then in terms of the things that I share on my YouTube, it's, it's similar to what I said earlier is, I mean, I just think it's cool. Do you know what I mean? It's nice. Like I would love it if other businesses do that. I'd be fascinated by it. And, and as a kid, if I could be a, 14 year old kid watching youtube videos that one day wants to do something similar to this and it might not even be anything like this right i might want to i might love gaming and i might want to start a gaming business or whatever i'd appreciate that so much and going back to some of the pivotal moments that have changed my life i'd love to think that there are young kids now that are the super business people sports people or whatever of tomorrow that might then live their life in that same way and i think listen transparency is important because it allows people to learn it allows people to really feel like they're a part of it um and ultimately it's cool and it feels like the right thing to do i love it like sometimes i'm watching mm. your youtube and i'm like that's it ben. <laughs> give me the tea give me the tea tell it all but i feel like that it's so important and i think what that does it helps um kind of reaffirm what the culture of gymshark is and, mm -hmm. and that it is a really open community and yeah. you invite and by sharing so much you're inviting a lot of people into the gym shark world and yeah. i think that that that's that's a great way to build a really solid brand so i i absolutely love love that model i really Thank really you. do and it's one that i'm going to adapt i don't know how much <laughs> i'm going to tell uh, <laughs> but it's um definitely definitely one that I'm, I'm i'm truly going to adapt so i'm um, just really quickly 
because you know this this podcast is all about helping and supporting mm -hmm. you know up and coming creative entrepreneurs yeah. so those either in the creative industries or those entrepreneurs who are just creative by nature yeah um what would be the top three things top three things that you will advice that you will give somebody Ooh. who's looking to to a creative yeah um oh okay let me think this is a difficult question so i would say someone that is inherently creative it's a very very it's very difficult because to monetize creativity is one of the most difficult things that you can ever do so the advice i would give is try and do something creative every day and try and you know slowly do things so like even even now i'll mess around with my bikes or whatever on the weekend or at home and just try and make things and that's something i'm really passionate about um so i would say do something every day i think that's important i would also say and i feel wrong saying this because i, I yes i did step out of university and take a big risk on starting gymshark but i only did it at the point where i was I, I felt really comfortable so i i kept my job at pizza Hut and i stayed on at university to the point where gymshark was doing the best part of a quarter of a million pound in revenue mm -hmm. and and i think that's really useful because what that means is it didn't put it didn't put pressure on my creative outlet which at the time or, and continues to be gymshark so having a job and then practicing your creative outlet on the side is really powerful because it takes the pressure off and it means that when you do focus on it you can focus on it fully so i would definitely recommend that um and then the final thing i would say is just be really open-minded so for example I think the more broad you can be with your creativity, the better. So, for example, I wouldn't describe my creativity as I'd like to make gym clothes. Mm. It's something I'm super passionate about and I love. But I love making things, whether it's gym clothes, messing around with motorcycles or branding. I'm fascinated at, at that level of creativity. And I think, think carefully about that because there are so many niches that you could fall into. I think you want to sort of keep your options open and try as many new things as possible. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. And probably just to caveat that and just say, be open-minded and yeah. get people in that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't do specific things within, you know, your business or mm -hmm. you're trying to really monetize it and you're not quite sure how, then there's people out there that can help you. Yeah. There's books, you know, success leaves clues. Yeah. Um, there's mentors, there's books, there's podcasts. This mm -hmm. podcast I'm sure will give um, a lot of people a lot of value, which mm -hmm. I'm super, super, super happy about. But now, um, just finally, what does Ben do outside of Gymshark? So outside of the fitness industry, because mm -hmm. I know you're, you do the gym as well because yep. you know, looking hench and you know, oh, yeah, I know you do the gym as well. But what does Ben do outside of the fitness industry? Um, to I'm incredibly boring, so I'm a massive Villa fan. Uh, I think we drew last night to Everton, which wasn't ideal, but um, but Grealish played, which is useful. Um, no, I'm a, so I'm a massive Villa fan, so I'll in normal times I'd get to the odd Villa game. Um, motorcycles I'm a huge fan of motorcycles massively massively family oriented I will see my parents as often as I possibly can uh, bare minimum every single week that's really wow. important to me um, again see my grandparents as often as I can um, spend time with Robin I'm fairly boring I, I honestly I love learning and messing around with things mm. so I'll just I'll often have I'm sure viewers will have the same thing. I'll, I'll fall down rabbit holes, so I'll obsess over one thing for like six weeks, and it's all I'll read about and watch and do. 
Um, so it might be motorcycles one week. It could be, I don't know, psychology the next. It might be reading about investments the next. It could be anything really. Mm. So that's where I'll spend most of my time. But I do spend a lot of time with friends and family. Friends as well. I didn't mention that. I spend a lot of time mm. with friends. That's really important to me. And again, it's something that I've really learned in the last few months, just how important it is to me. Mm. Um, I just chill, learn, friends, family, dog. That's it. Love it. Love it. I think it's important. So um, we are going to close shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an amazing conversation. Um, thank you, Ben. I remember actually um, the last meeting that we had, I and mean, you was like, if there's anything that you need... Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, you don't want to tell True Power that because literally I'm going to hold you to it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, you came on the podcast and, mm-hmm. and you said this because it's been a, a really, really good chat. And I'm sure yeah, that a lot of our listeners will, will definitely benefit from yeah. a lot of the stuff that you have just said. Um, and I think on that point as well, just, just to add in onto the creativity thing, if we are finishing off is I think if anyone takes anything away from this, and I think, listen, you're doing it, you're doing it. This is, this is an incredible creative outlet that you're pushing forward is if you take anything away from this podcast, just, just give something a go. Because if, you know, if, if 10 people watch this, hundred people watch this, 10,000 people watch this, and just one or two of them can give something a go. I think you'll, um, you'll be pleasantly surprised at what you can achieve. And I just need to reiterate as well. Gymshark was the seventh website that, wow. that I was building and the other six, that meant the other six failed, right? So give things a go and just don't worry about failure. Mm. Failure is just something not to worry about. Give it a go because I promise you it gets you one step closer to your, you know, your end goal. Yeah. And I said this yesterday on my Instagram post, I, I mm-hmm. put a, a quote out saying it's not about ideas. It's about making ideas happen yeah. and not allowing mm-hmm. failure to or the fear of failure to stop you from pursuing you know your ideas and and as you said like this podcast is something that I've sat on for probably the best part of a year and mm-hmm. I, there were so many reasons why I was an excuses why I was thinking oh, I, I can't do it people are not going to like my accent they're mm-hmm. not going to like they're not going to want to tune it I'm not going to get mm-hmm. any listeners and then I just was like you know what I'm just I'm never going to know it. unless I try yeah um so so I listeners if you are listening make sure that if you've got an idea do not sit on it make sure you try because you know failure is um it helps you grow um, mm-hmm. always fail forward mm-hmm. you know learn from it learn from your mistakes and i think it's um it's it's really powerful but before we close i just want to thank our amazing sponsors route 36 for absolutely always smashing it and making me sound and look amazing mm-hmm. and we do have a podcast um episode with them um episode three i believe it is um so go and listen to that and check them out um i also want to thank the amazing ben francis from Jim shark for guys I, I this man is extremely <laughs> busy and he probably gets thousands and i'm not even exaggerating mm. requests for podcasts and I am humbled and thankful that he, mine was one of the podcasts that he chose to come on. And so I want to thank you for that, Ben. Um, but as usual, everyone knows with the Creative Entrepreneur podcast, it's, we always look at the entrepreneur as well. And we try and get a snapshot um, from the entrepreneur from 10 quick fire round questions. Um, Is that what we're doing now? Yeah, oh, that I'm going to give you, Ben. Oh, God, here we go. Um, it's only a, it's really simple. You yeah. get a couple of seconds. I'm going to give you two options. Yeah. And you just have to tell me okay. the option that you prefer. The first right. one's a bit controversial. Go on. Because um, you're not allowed to say June Shark. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you get it. So quick questions and quick answers. Yeah. So first one, Nike or Adidas? 
Oh, I can't say that. I'm <laughs> not allowed. No. Controversial. <laughs> I'll answer the others. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right. Beyonce or Rihanna? Rihanna. Oh. Um, Audi or BMW? Oh, BMW. Okay. Mm. I think Audi are probably nice looking cars, but I think BMW yeah. historically all rear wheel drive, aren't they? Which mm. is cool. So, yeah. Rush Hour or Bad Boys? I haven't watched either of them. Really? What? No, I don't watch movies. I'm miserable, aren't I? <laughs> oh, I honestly, I haven't watched a movie in years. Oh, wow. Oh, please I'm watch, sorry. Please watch one of them. <laughs> please, bad Boys. I will. I'll probably say, watch Bad Boys. Um, you're probably not going to eat none of these either, but I'm going to ask well, you anyway. Um, KFC or McDonald's? Oh, Mackey's all day long. Oh, oh wow. All day long. And this one's Just I like cheese. I like chicken selects and cheeseburgers. Mm. Mm. ASOS or Boohoo, man? ASOS. Mm. Tupac or Biggie? Tupac. Mm. J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar? Kendrick Lamar. Really? Oh. And the last one, Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Oh, there you have it. <laughs> There's Ben in 10 questions. Make what you will, Ben. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Um, and to the next time, guys, I will see you later. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Creative Entrepreneurs Podcast sponsored by Route 36. If you liked what you heard, please remember to review the podcast and also give us a follow on our social media channels.